my dad would cook for him and all the guides lived in this little we called it the mouse mahal i mean it was just a little rundown shack I'm kind of an addictive person if i ever get on drugs i feel like it's over <laughs> guys getting started here appreciate you guys for tuning into this next episode no ira and i are excited to have a little different spin on this podcast we've uh you know here lately we've had a, we've had a doctor we've had a dog trainer and now we're heading down a different path with a friend of ours jeff watt jeff thanks for coming on man uh you bet guys uh glad to be here if i if i started down the list of all the stuff that i know that jeff has done or is involved in the podcast would consist of only that. So we're going to hit, we're going to hit a couple of the highlights and uh, Jeff's an interesting, an interesting character. And I cannot wait to, can't wait to pick his brain a little bit. Ira, you've known Jeff forever. How'd you get to meet him? Well, I think we first met many, many moons ago at a, a Shields event, like waterfowl weekend in Kansas city, Kansas. And uh, I was there with a bunch of boats and, Jeff wanted to buy a boat. This was back when Momars was still just boats. And uh, we may have met before that uh, time or two, but uh, that was a long time ago. And, and since then, you know, we became much closer friends and business associates there for quite a while. And uh, just a really interesting guy that really knows so much about the business and has so much insight into everything going on in the industry. So Jeff, like I said, you're multifaceted in, in, in a lot of different, you're into a lot of different areas and have a breadth of knowledge that's pretty, pretty, um, I don't want to say it's unrivaled, honestly, probably just the things that you are involved in and know about, but your, your main business, your main business is fill in the blank and kind of explain what, what you guys do on a, on a daily basis with your customers. All right. So, so yeah, I, I, my tax return says I'm an entrepreneur. It used to say, used to say I was a sales rep and, and whatnot, but I mean, let's just, let's just back up uh, a little bit. So I've had, I've had my own sales manufacturer sales rep agency in the hunting and fishing industry for 30, this will be 32 years. And so basically what that is, is we call it, we handle the paper. So our, our job is to be the go-between in between the uh, manufacturer and the retailer and, um, you know, make sure that, that they know everything and anything there is to, to be about the product we're selling. Um, you know, I've worked for, at one time, 10, 12, 15 vendors. I'm now kind of kind of tailored it down to five or six vendors, you know, really focusing on the waterfowl side, still do some fly fishing, but you know, you back up to, to, it even goes farther than that. I grew up, I was born in Kansas city. My parents moved us to um, Southern California. Dad had a job uh, with NBC and Burbank as a videographer, Joe. Uh, at that time it was a film cameraman. So he was shooting film in, in Kansas city for WDAF and uh, which I think at that time was a was an NBC affiliate and then got job in Burbank. So we moved out there um, again. Fast forward. We, we did we did a little uh, hunting. My dad did had always hunted back here and shot and whatnot. So we did a little hunting and fishing out there. Um, my mom and dad got divorced when I was young. So we kind of we, we my brothers and sister, we kind of went the athletic way. So we played a bunch of sports. 
out there like a lot of young people. Um, but you know, the, the hunting and fishing was always in, in the back. We'd come to Kansas city in the summer, my grandfather would take his fishing. Um, and so, you know, I got into high school and, um, you know, was, was pretty good at baseball and football. And, but I, I, I also learned how to tie flies and, and whatnot. My, my dad had made a deal with us. He moved to Seattle and he said, Hey, you boys learn how to tie flies and, and do all this. We go spend the summers up there, but you, you guys, um, learn how to tie flies. I'll take you to Montana and Montana has the best fly fishing in the world. Blue ribbon, uh, streams everywhere. So I got to see Montana in the heyday. So the late seventies through the early eighties and all that stuff, but back to this tying flies. So I learned how to tie flies and we eventually moved back to Missouri. Um, I ended up being good enough and fast enough to tie flies that I thought, well, heck, I can make a little money at this. And so I started tying flies for a company out of West Yellowstone, Montana, called Blue Ribbon Fly Company, who they're still in existence. It was uh, uh, Craig uh, and Jackie Matthews were, are the owners or were the owners. So um, I, I, I graduated from high school at Center High School in Kansas City, um, got a scholarship to play baseball at William Jewell, went to William Jewell, paid, played baseball there, but for some spending money and all that stuff, I was still tying flies, sending tying flies in the dorm, dorm rooms and all that stuff. And, and sending, uh, sending them out West up pay, pay for school. You know, I paid for my own school. And like a lot of us, I think from back in, in that time frame, and maybe some, some today too, but, uh, so it had always been, been, been there. So going through the baseball uh, college, I ended up hurting my shoulder, my sophomore year and hurt, hurting my arm. And so, uh, baseball started, I knew I wasn't going to be drafted. I knew I wasn't going to be playing, uh, playing later in life. And so my dad said, Hey, you know, if I know some people, him being from the Northwest and the Northwest is kind of a hub for lodge owners in, in the state of Alaska. He goes, I know some people and, um, you know, <clears throat> I'll, I'll turn you on to them. So I applied for a job to guide for the sun. Actually, he wanted me originally to go on a fishing boat, a commercial fishing charter out of, down on the Alaska Peninsula. And I'm like, man, that just doesn't sound any fun. Guiding, you know, guiding, guiding sounds fun. Heck, Ira, you guys know all about that. What the guiding deal, you get into it and you think, oh, wait a minute. I like, I like being guided better than I like the guiding. So anyway. I also know a lot about that commercial fishing and it's not very fun either. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So see, that's, that's some of this other stuff where both Ira and his brother Aaron's um, you know, our paths, you know, they, they, mine was a little earlier cause I'm a little older than these guys, but, um, you know, very similar. Those guys spent some time in Alaska too. I, and I got to tell you, Alaska was, is unbelievable. Anybody gets the chance to go to Alaska needs to go and, and spend some time out in the outside of Anchorage, outside of Denali, outside of Homer, out just in it because it's incredible. But so go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just gonna say, I gotta, I gotta take make one aside. I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't. <clears throat> I bet you there is not an outdoor podcast anywhere. Well, probably that has had two of the three people William Jewell College uh, graduates on at one time. But <laughs> football class of fourteen, stand up. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so, so you get William Jewell. Uh, at least whenever I graduated, there was not a real big. Um, it wasn't a real big hunting hub. So I'm sure that. Uh, I'm sure Jeff knows what I'm talking about. So I'd say he might've been one of the only kids tying flies in the dorms there at, 
Uh, oh, no doubt. And the, one of the only kids going duck hunting every day during duck too. season because I was scheduling my classes later. Heck, I almost plunked out my sophomore year. <laughs> we got all sorts of stuff in common there. Uh, yeah. No. So, okay. So I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but go. So you're, so go take a start from the Alaska deal. So, yeah. So, <clears throat> so speak, let's go back to the sophomore year though, uh, duck hunt. So, you know, fly fishing all over the place that I got to do we used to fly fish some of the lakes in the West out of float tubes, inner tubes that had a seed in it and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm here at William Jewell. There's a bunch of duck hunting uh, at Smithville Lake. I'm going to, I'm going to start doing that. Well, lo and behold, I started duck hunting, dragging, getting out there, putting my waders on going and I'd shoot some ducks with, uh, with in these float tubes. Well, one day when I came back to the bank, um, you know, and I, I got to back up too, because, I had also had a, a part-time job at the Bass Pro Shops in Springfield, one of the first franchises Johnny Morris had um, outside of the Springfield store. So again, getting moving back to Kansas City opened a lot of things because number one, I wanted to become a better fisherman. I was playing ball. I wanted to become a better hunter. Well, if you want to be a duck hunter, you also better learn how to duck call. So at that time, um, Marshland Game Calls was in business. Well, Dale Largent, was the father of, of uh, two boys. One of them, Rob Largent, I think, uh, ended up winning the World Duck Calling Championship sometime in the 70s. So I, he was my tutor. And so I learned how to, I learned how to blow, blow a duck call too. So now let's go back to this float tube thing. So one day, one morning, I'm out there and I kind of had drifted because the wind, the wind would push you a little bit. So you kind of you got to do it just like swimming in the ocean. You swim with the current, you know? And so I kick back to shore and lo and behold, there's a duck blind at the shore that, that I kick up against. And I, I meet the two guys that are in there. And one of them happens to be Bob Mabe, who for years had blown, uh, who, who was a competition duck caller here. And so we kind of got to talk and got to meet each other. And so the next day I got to go with them in the blind and I'm like, man, this guy can blow a duck call. So again, I, I, that was kind of the start of me really getting into, uh, duck hunting, duck calling and all that stuff. And, and after that, I blew in the world, I don't know, six or seven times, uh, also, but so Alaska. So what happened in Alaska is, is it just kind of opened the door to me because the lodge that I had, that I was guided, I got a job and we, we had to go up a month, month and a half before the season started. And, and really get the lodge in shape. Well, we do that. The, the clients come in, you know, I was, I was getting very similar to a waitress, you know, getting paid a little on this side, but I'd make my money on the tips. And I'm like, well, heck I can, I can do this. And so, man, I get my set of clients every morning. I go in and wake them up, bring tray of coffee, you know, just babying them to death. And I ended up making, I made as much tips as some of those guys that had been there a long time, just because that was my personality, you know, building relationships, getting, getting it in there. And so one of the, one of the clients I had up there were the people from G Loomis, Gary Loomis, his son, Bobby, and a couple of their people, Mark Lippincott and some other guys that were there. And so, you know, we, we got to know each other, Dusty Inslee, which is Harold Inslee's boy was, uh, they were from this area. So I knew Dusty from working retail, Dusty came up there. And so I had a lot of people that were inside of this hunting and fishing industry <clears throat> that kind of set the seed to me of, man, 
you know, if I could, if I could figure out how to get into this and make a living at it, Jamie, what else could you ask for? Right. And, you know, I go back to my, my grandfather uh, had said to me one time who I worked for him in the heating and air conditioning business as a salesman for a bit. He said, Jeff, whatever you do, find something that you, if find something you like, and if you can make a living at it, it'll never, it'll never be a job to you. And so that always stuck. <clears throat> and so come back and from Alaska and, and start networking around. And again, I'm doing a lot of stuff with, with organizations here, whether it be NWTF, DU, um, some fly fishing organizations, Heartland Fly Fishers, you know, um, and just staying connected in that. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I graduated from Jewel in 87, uh, did a little stint of guiding out West, uh, hopping around for some people and, um, came back and was kind of at a crossroads of trying to figure out, man, what, what do I want to do? You know, you, you hear about all these guys, um, uh, making money. I had friends, uh, stockbrokers, friends in banking. And, man, it just, I couldn't be tied to a, to a desk. So my grandfather needed some help. So I went down and started working for him and as a salesman uh, around and, and really started polishing this relationship thing. Well, nobody in that industry also, or not nobody, but a lot of the salesmen, they weren't hunters. They, they are fishermen. And so that's how I would kind of connect with some of these, these other, uh, uh, heating and air conditioning people and so we'd go hunting or fishing or whatever especially turkey hunting. and so um i finally was uh i got a call from a friend of mine who had just moved out west and uh, was working as a rep in the northern rockies so that would have been montana idaho and wyoming and he said man we just left the trade show they need some but we need somebody for a lot of these line <clears throat> lines um that we work for in here working out of your region. I mean, yeah, Jeff, it's probably not that big starting out, but you, you can do it. And at that time I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to look into it. So I go to the show the next year, I kind of get my ducks in a row, start reaching out. Um, I had worked for my dad also. Um, he at that time had left um, his or not left, but he had become a freelance videographer and he started in 1986. He started, a um a company called fly 1986 yeah a company called uh, fly fishing video magazine so <clears throat> it was really the first first it was the first video sh video show it was back when espn was the only outdoor channel so that was in that, that was actually two or three years prior to that so in 87 i worked for him right after i graduated getting sponsors and 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 doing some of that stuff so that also helped that networking thing go in <clears throat> and so I started reaching out to those contacts and saying hey if I got into this would you be interested in hiring a young kid that that has got uh got you know all the wherewithal and want to that, that you want and a lot of them said yes some said no and so I said screw it I bit the bullet did it <clears throat> um struggled for sure struggled a bunch ended up um incorporating the business, getting married, having my first child the next year. And, um, and so that would have been in 1992 and said, I'm all in on this and um, <clears throat> just said, Hey, if I can, if, if I can, if I can make this much, then man, everything's going to be good. So that was always the goal because being a straight commission salesman, straight commission, not draw straight commission 
whatever you sell, you're going to get paid on it. And that's what basically what I've done for, for 32 years has been a straight commission salesman in both the, in the, in the flight, started in the fly fishing industry. And I'm still in that in the conventional industry, uh, conventional fishing industry at the archery industry, and then the conventional hunting industry. So <clears throat> I've, I've sold all of it. And the only thing I've stayed away from is, is firearms. I've never worked for a firearm manufacturer, but I've worked for an ammunition manufacturer. I've worked for pretty much everything else in it. So one thing, one thing, Jeff, about you, <clears throat> I used to be in chemical sales, seed sales, that stuff for ag. And <clears throat> we would, you know, and I know the sales process is similar, but we would have a guy, we would have a, our, our rep come by and, you know, they'd tell us about the new products and whatever they'd go on down the road. The, the, the thing about you, in my opinion, so I was in the retail space. The thing about you, in my opinion, and what I see, Ira, you can shed some light on this too, but you know, you're not just telling about the product, you know, you're not just saying like, Hey man, Hey Rogers, Hey, whoever, here's who we've, here's what we got. Here's what we're coming out with. Here's what company A is coming out with. It's like, when you go to the deal, it's like, here's what I've been spending the last four years helping design for, for my client. Here's what I've been using. Here's what I love about it. And here's what I don't like about it. And I'm trying to get them to fix. Like, I feel like, I feel like that's why you've had the longevity or a big part of it, because you're not just a salesperson. You're in that, in that space. And that's really tough to, to find it rare. Ira, go ahead. I mean, how many times we beat stuff up like that, huh? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you're a true end user with a lot of knowledge about a lot of things and, you know, we had a great relationship and, and uh, came out with some really cool stuff. But, but I hope all the people that ask the question, how do I get into the industry, have their ears on? Because it's such a common question from so many people. And so many of them think there's a magical answer and a shortcut. And the truth, if they just listen to your story, that's how you do it. You get yourself immersed in there. You become active. Uh, you live it and eat it and breathe it and know that you're going to have some, some rough times, you know, and that is the deal. So there is no magical answer, but I think the, the picture that you painted of kind of your journey uh, is the same journey that, you know, most of the people that are in the industry, that's how they got in. They, they immersed themselves and they took some risks and they went without any income for a while and, there you go. I think a lot of people think though that they see, so they they go to a show or they see Jeff on social media or you know doing whatever he's doing and they're like, damn man, he must you know I wonder what his in was or man that'd be awesome. I'm, it ain't like it ain't like you Jeff just showed up and you're like, all right boys, I'm here. Slide me slide me my money. It was I mean. Oh man, you you wait because we're gonna get into that too. We're gonna get into I get that question once a week and I have for thirty years. So I'll I'll address that too, but. So, you know, we, so, um, you know, one of the things, so when I, I was fortunate, trust me, lucky, but i made, I think I made my luck and I happened to be in the right place at the right time. At that time, when I got into this, Bass Pro and Cabela's had one store each. Cabela's might've had two. They might've had Sydney and Carney. So, um, catalogs were it i mean it was it was the catalog that's when the catalog craze was really driving it you know you basically you get a catalog order it you know there were a lot of independent retailers heck when i started i think there were 60 or 65 independent retailers in the four state region now there's six so 
you know, and those four states would have been Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, and Kansas because you have a territory. I can't sell all the way across the country, right? So, so at, with, with me being focused on fly fishing at that time, that was one place Cabela's really wanted to go. And so, as I mentioned, the territory that I started in was super, super small. Well, as Cabela's wanted to become more into this, and then also with Cabela's wanted to do it, Bass Pro wanted to be, be able to do it uh, or wanted to get into it too. All of a sudden, at our sales meetings, as our rep sales meetings, I was the smallest for the first three or four years, but I started going up the ladder, man. And about six years into this, seven years, eight years into it, I was the biggest because Bass Pro and Cabela's were driving what was going on in this stuff. And so you, you talk about a, a big change of fortune. That, that's what it was. So, and, you know, we, we talk about, Ira said, Ira said, you got to immerse yourself. Well, let me tell you, when you'd go to the ICAST show, and at that time, that was the switch from the AFTMA or the AFMA show to ICAST, and then the SHOT show is always, always there. In fact, this was the first year that I didn't go to SHOT show in 30 years. And last year I didn't go because of COVID, but there was a reason for that. This one was by choice. I, there's, I don't have any vendors there anymore. But um, so when you would go to those shows, you know, you'd want, yes, you're calling on them during the year, but you'd want their attention. Well, I couldn't afford to stay at the hotels they were staying at. I'm staying at, 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 the, at the crap holes like the Trop or something like that. They're at the MGM or Caesars Palace or whatever. And so they didn't know that because I was in the lobby of their hotel every morning and every evening after before the show and after. So you get to walk to the show, visit with them. And some of the relationships, I, I, I <clears throat> a lot of the relationships, I still talk to them today and they're some of my best friends. And so that was that that's as big a part, Joe, as you were talking about as knowing the product, um, uh, having the good lines is having the relationship. And if I wouldn't have had or built those relationships, I would not be sitting here today still in this business. No. So that's, I mean, like the, the, the relationships that you have are, uh, they're the most, they've got to be, they've got to be the most valuable part, not just for your business, but for these retail, because you know, you, you, people talk about re retailers and when you're talking about these big companies and these independents, it, it ain't like these guys don't have people for, you know, they've got a staff, they've got a team, but the fact that you keep providing value and it's residual value, it's relationships yeah. that you help these stores set up. It's a, it, in my opinion, it's about a lot more than just the products. I mean, the products are the vehicle of how you're, you know, getting involved with these folks, but you know, <laughs> this sounds like a joke, but these guys at these retailers are going to know they can call Jeff and get the honest opinion on everything from, you know, duck and goose hunting, turkey hunting, barbecuing and everything. I mean, my sister yeah. gets, my sister gets married and I text Jeff. I'm like, man, hit me with the, hit me with the good barbecue place that you would actually recommend. He does. They come knock it out of the park. It's like, <laughs> that is just like, he's a one-stop call. Yeah. So, well, shoot that even, that goes to the, to the end of the career thing, you know, but anyway, the, you know, the, the, the thing about it is I knew, I could always find another product. You always want to have good products, but I knew that I could always find a, a, another product. So, but I knew that if I didn't take care of these customers, there's not a Rogers Sporting Goods, Max Spray Wings, you know, Shields, Cabela's sitting on every corner. Okay. And so if I don't have the integrity, and a lot of times I had to swallow it all and say, hey, 
guys, do not buy this. You can't buy it because we're not going to deliver it. And if you do buy it and put it in this catalog, then I'm going to, it's going to be bad. So don't buy it. And it's that trust. And a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people don't understand that. And I've swallowed, I've swallowed, I've fallen on the sword numerous times and, and it's cost me a lot of money. And, you know, uh, but it's also, it's made me a lot of money and it's also that relationship. And, and at the end of the day, that relationship, a lot of times is better than money. So, 100%. but yes. So, you know, you go through that and, and um, then as you become, as you become more, um, more immersed in it, and 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 spend more time with these factories or these vendors that you work for that a lot today they aren't really factories they're just kind of they're sourcing it somewhere else but then you get pulled into this development because they know you're a user and one of the things from the fish from my thought whole thought process with Bass Pro and Cabela's at the time and with any vendor for that matter is I wanted I'm a I always call myself a fisherman I always call myself a hunter I'm not just an archery hunter or a bow hunter or a fly fisherman. I'm a fisherman. You hand me something and I'm going to go catch it, right? You hand me a, a tool. I wanted to be able to talk about fly fishing, be able to use a bait caster, be able to use the, the spinning, spinning reels, be able to use a two-handed spay rod, a fly rod, be able to fish in salt water, know how to tie the knots, know all that. Because again, it's more value to the people that I'm selling. Same with the hunting thing. I mean, you, you, you hand me anything and we go hunting. The only thing is that what's that thing that's got the the handle and the addle, addle. Addle. yeah, addle addle. I'm out on the addle addle. <laughs> Same with playing darts. I'm not good at throwing darts. So, <laughs> but so I wanted to know all of that because again, it's more value. Then it doesn't give a vendor a reason to look for somebody else, and it also doesn't give the retailer the reason to go look for another vendor to fill it and edge there. Let's, let's figure this out. So, and that's helped with this product development, man. Um, you know, you, you, you go through those middle parts of my career. I've been fortunate, like I said, to, to be able to hunt and fish all over the world and use this product and also provide a bunch. I was, I was part of this IMX when, when, or excuse me, GLX, when, when uh, G Loomis brought GLX out, which was at that time, the most expensive fishing tool ever made. Right. And there were some faults to it. And so those came out in a lot of these in the field testing, we fixed those. I think we maybe launched it and then figured out that we needed to make some tweaks, then did it. And, and man, that's been to me today, that is as much fun to me as making the deal. I still like making the deal, man. And I still like going and I, I'm, I want to go see the customers through COVID and all that stuff. We did, we, we did some of this, but we still went and saw them. We went and saw them. We saw them from a distance. We saw them in parking lots. To me, this is how you make relationships, uh, make sales and really make the stuff happen. And, um, uh, but it, it, it definitely, again, the, my whole goal was to provide value. And so you mentioned it a minute ago about barbecue. So I love to cook. Ira's, I've learned a lot from Ira. Ira's one of the, one of the best, uh, the best at, at it as, as there is. Heck, Ira, I, I was hoping that some of our soirees, late night soirees, like thinking that we could, uh, 
we could we could go get a hornet's nest in the middle of the night <laughs> down the road that we saw in the summer was a good call, you know, thinking uh -huh. maybe something like that might come up, huh? Well, you know, I mean, uh, sometimes the more you drink, the better cook you think you are, and sometimes <laughs> wake up in the morning and uh, your leftovers are pretty good, and sometimes they're not as good as you thought they were going to be. Uh -huh. <laughs> At least we still both have ten fingers and toes after uh, – trying to chop off uh, the bones from our tomahawk steaks with a splitting maul. Oh, yeah. And that's why I saw it always travels now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, no, I mean, so that kind of, again, providing more value, you know, um, you kind of let's just talk about the last 10 years. You know, um, in 2009, uh, I was approached by uh, by some friends of mine at W.O. Gore that said, that they were going to be making an acquisition of a company and uh, they wanted to launch. Uh, they wanted, they wanted me to be a part of that because they were going to, it was going to be, uh, there was going to be a part of that company that was waterfowl specific. And so <clears throat> Sitka gear uh, was that company. And uh, so WL Gore purchased Sitka gear. They said, Hey, we'll be in touch. Well, sure enough, they were in touch. Uh, we, we brought out, uh, uh, we went to work for Sitka. We brought out the first uh, waterfowl pattern from them, uh, Marsh. Um, and again, raised the bar. We, we ended up creating a new price category for hunting apparel. Kind of like what uh, we were talking about early, Joe, uh, before we got, got on live was, you know, the whole, at that time, there was some great outdoor apparel. There was some great mountaineering apparel, but there really wasn't a great vendor for, um, for hunting apparel or for great apparel in camouflage. And, you know, that was Jonathan Hart's uh, and, and his partner's uh, um, vision was creating this same awesome um, product in the mountaineering and the outdoor space and bringing it to the hunting space. Well, everybody knew that stuff was so expensive. So we actually, with Sitka Gear, created a new price price category. We actually, um, I mean, it, it, and it was a big jump. It wasn't just like $50. It was $150, $200. So, I mean, that's, that, that's been a great, a great ride. And that's kind of where working for them and uh, another co Iris company, Momarsh at the time, we were doing a bunch of product stuff and then Rig'em Right, uh, been, a, been involved with a bunch of the, the, the product uh, development there. So that's kind of become a passion of mine. Heck, you'll have to, uh, I'll have to tell you, I've been working on another little uh, project for, for Matthew that I've been hand sewing and uh, um, anyway. Oh. So yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. It's, it's archaic, but hey, it gets my point across to say, hey, take this over there and let's build it because I know we'll sell some of it. Well, you, so Jeff on the Sitka, on the Sitka side of things, um, it's kind of, it's, it's what Sitka has done a good job of is when you think about 2009, I mean, Sitka is such a big brand now and such a, such a known brand. It's almost one of those things. It's like in the outdoor world, it's just like, it's always been there. And that's the feeling that you get. And I think a lot of that has to do with one, the quality of the product and two, the people that introduced it have always been there. So it was like an extension of you guys. And, and some of the development work that you did, we talked earlier, like you alluded to there and we were, you, you said something that I thought was pretty cool. Um, talking about developing some new products here coming forward, but you, you were saying how 
Sitka, you have stayed the course in your career. And so, and, and you got a plan, you stick to it. And, and it's a company like Sitka, you were saying, there's some products that you guys have struggled with getting into that space because you weren't sure you could do anything, but make it look cool. Like you want to make sure that all these products have a superior functionality and stuff. Talk about yeah. with the so, waterfowl. I mean, how did you, how, how has some of that development stuff taken place and how have you kind of played a part in that? Okay. So, yeah. So one of the thing, you know, Sitka, Sitka was, um, uh, was uh, the Optifade pattern, which WL Gore owns the Optifade pattern. They also own Sitka gear. Sitka gear is the only licensee of the Optifade pattern to produce, to be able to produce it in apparel. We do have other licensees. Mo Marsh is one of those that builds some product in it, Brigham Wright, um, uh, uh, and whatnot. So, but at the end of the day, uh, with any product, there's a lot of me too's. There's a lot of copycats. You know, it's easy to do that. Our, we call it king of R&C, research and copy. And, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's really, to me, there's no reason to bring something out to, to reinvent the wheel unless you can make it better. And so uh, we felt with Optifade that it was making concealment better. So we brought it out, which I think it's been a proved, it's proven deal. It's, it's, it's definitely based on what it's done. It's not just uh, it's not just a, a fad. And um, you know, we've made the product better. We've made the, we've given the hunter or hunt uh, or huntress. I hate that word, but hunter or a male hunter or female hunter, a um, the opportunity to stay in the field longer because they're more comfortable. They, can stay dry. Uh, well, basically it's comfort. They can stay there. And so, you know, uh, all of the gear, all of the gear that Sitka brings out, if you, I mean, we're, we're, our 2023 line has been put to bed for fall. Our spring 24 line is almost done. And our fall 24 line is pretty close to being done. So you start take and, and they didn't just get done to today right they've been done for a while and so this just shows you how how far out that this stuff working and we're just not talking line drawings we're talking so i mean i've been in some of it so we're talking about uh finished samples and that's one thing that i will tell you about um a lot of the companies i've always sold um probably the most expensive highest end stuff you can in a category because that's what i that's what i would use and being a, a true user, if it's funny because I, I had some being a true user, I had some guys in camp saying, so, so uh, what do we need to uh, a couple Sitka guys? What do we need to build? What are we missing? I said, well, boys, all you got to do is go over to that locker over there and see what's in there that isn't Sitka gear, because if it's not Sitka gear, then we need it or we need something better or similar to it, because if, if it's not Sitka gear, then ours is junk. And so they went and rummaged through and saw, and so that started the path. And this was last year, maybe even, I tell them every year because I'm always searching for something better, something that, 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 that does that. And that's that product design, product development thing. And so all of the gear that we bring out goes through a list, a, a, a list of, of, or a checklist of things. It's got to do this. It's got to do that. It's got to be able to, to do this for this long period of time. It's got to, whether it's a wear test, a comfort test, uh, uh, abrasion, you know, breathability, you know, just the whole thing. And so 
fit fits a big deal because back you go back to those times in the in the nine in in the 2000s and stuff didn't fit and you know when we first came out with Sitka everybody said well this is it's too it's too tight it's it's the it was called an athletic fit because you got to remember where that that stuff was designed it was designed in the west a lot of a lot of mountain hunters and mountain hunters have a tendency I'm not going to say all of them have a tendency to be in better shape than us deer and turkey hunters were and and duck hunters we're sitting around eating good food drinking having a big time and so we have a tendency to be a little bigger and so you know we had to change those designs as it, or change those fits as it went on and so you know there's just so much that goes into that it's just not saying well heck that like that hat you got on that's an old tree bark hat joe right. it's just not saying hey uh let's just build yeah let's just build another uh, another hat like that and and go find it no we want to build a better hat and so, you know? so that's what that's what it is that's where and i mean so you guys are listening to this and this is a guy where if you ask a lot of people what he did would say he's just, he's a sales guy in the outdoor industry i mean you don't it, it it's it's cool because there, there's so much there's so much to it and and i was thinking as you were talking there jeff some of the products that you've worked with what if you could pick a if you could pick a product or line of products with Sitka here that maybe maybe one that's come out in the last you know couple of years? I know you guys have had some huge launches, some launches that have had to be kept quiet and all sorts of stuff. What what's been one of your more enjoyable, if you could say, like product lines or you know product so, yeah, launches? Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's do that. So you go back to that first sales meeting in 2010 when we launched Waterfowl. We were at a we were at a, a a small lodge in Twin Bridges, Montana, and they normally these sales meetings are two or three days long, and they they bring it out. You go through the sale, you go through the business part of it, and then uh, programs, and then what we always like is the new product. And so we go through this whole waterfowl line, and man, everybody is stoked. I'm excited, and then. I'm the one that also rains on everybody's parade. I raised my hand and said, where's the waiter? We're water. This is a waterfowl line. We're going to be in the water. What are we going to wear everybody else's waiter? And they said, they said, you know what? As a matter of fact, we've thought about that and we'll get back to you. And so I was, the, I, I'm not saying it was solely me, but I can tell you, I had as, as I had the biggest voice from the sales force of, Where's this waiter? The waiter's the final piece. So we launched waiters, <clears throat> I think in 2018 to retail. It might've been 17, but it was somewhere in there. So think about it. That's seven years. Now, could we have come with a waiter um, prior to that? Absolutely, because I weren't. I was in them, but they weren't right. There were a number of things that didn't align correctly. And, <clears throat> you know, uh, back to some of the people I, I worked for Sims for, for 18 years from 1992 until well, whatever, 2010, you know, somewhere in there. So I had been familiar with WL Gore. I was familiar with Gore prior to that, but I had worked with WL Gore up, up to there. And that's where those relationships came from. But so we knew it had to do something. And what we knew it had to do was keep your, the, the single most common complaint out of waterfowl hunters are my feet are cold. And so how do you, how do you get somebody excited about a product 
in July when you're selling it, um, when you're trying to, when the guys are buying it and you do that by when they step in to, to the product or put the product on, they just go, Oh my. And that's was our goal with these waiters. <clears throat> and I don't know how many reiterations of these waiters we had, whether it had a different boot on each, on each foot. So you could test them that way. And whether it had different textile on each leg, you know, top. I mean, there's just so much of that stuff in there. But I would tell you that my favorite product launches has either been when we launched waiters, because finally was the was the word, or when we developed timber. You know, that was I happened to to um, own with some friends uh, a, a couple duck hunting clubs down in uh in central west central missouri one of them is a set of 300 acres a set of flooded woods that if you cut those 300 acres out pulled them out of missouri you could put them any place in arkansas you wanted to that's how close they are and so i love hunting the woods and so you know our marsh camo just stuck out and that was one of the first things one of the first persons we took this camo to was chuck lock at max and we showed it to him he goes man I don't know. And I said, Hey, help me out here. Just, just, I need $150,000 order from you. Whatever you don't sell, we'll take back. Well, you know how that, you know how that ended up was about two months into it, Jeff, I need some more of this. Sorry, we're sold out. And so, you know, it worked, but he said, Hey, our guys, I said, it'll work in the woods, but he goes, no, people look across the hole. They see it. It sticks out. No problem. So immediately after that launch, within a year, after that launch, we started working on timber. We didn't, so that was 2010. We didn't bring timber timber out until 2015. And so, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, it's that long to get it right. And I, I mean, I don't know how many reiterations of that pattern I had to say was shown to me. Yep, that's it, that's it. And so, yeah, those would be my two favorite ones for sure. I think timber, <clears throat> It's kind of crazy that, you know, the Sitka pattern overall, but that timber pattern, it's crazy because, you know, just going to Arkansas for work and stuff, you know, you'd see like, and, and there's still, there's, there's, you know, camos like a Ford Chevy John Deere case on a lot of stuff, you know, um, but you'd see areas where there was like, it was either bottomland, natural gear, whatever it was, that was what those kids were. I feel like they were born and baptized in those camo patterns. Sure. And, and now, you know, that, that timber pattern, I feel like has changed the game for, for a lot of people down there, as far as being able to have a piece of gear that they believe in and that they kind of look at as a tool, but that also they feel like from their eye, like you said, looks good in that darker timber, kind of more, you know, that kind of setting. Yeah. So one of, one of the things Sitka has always had is that, fit for use has always been a word used there. And so when we build a product, we're building the product specifically. So if we build something in open country or we build something in timber, we're, we're saying, okay, a guy who's going who's gonna to go sheep hunting, he's going to wear open country and not timber. And um, so we're going to focus on whatever that guy would need to go sheep hunting in that. So what I'm saying there is that we we were trying to tell the consumer what they need to wear and use and what, what, what attributes and qualities that product has to have. Well, that still exists at Sitka gear, 
the fit for use. And we always, that always, we always talk about that, but what you're, sometimes what you're doing is what you're telling the consumer then is, which is great for sales is you need four sets. You need something to go hunt in the mountains. You need something to go hunt uh, in the plains. You need something to go hunt in the rice or in the, uh, in the moist soil. You need to go have something to go hunt in the woods. And so a lot of times it's like, no, nah, man, we, we can't do that. I mean, we, st- we do it. And I don't want to, I don't want to sound like we're trying to take advantage of any of anybody at all, but we're not, we're trying to build the best product for that specific task they're trying to do. Ira, you don't take a, you don't take the four weight fly rod that you use down at Rock Ridge in Missouri to, to the keys to hunt, to fish with your brother for saltwater fish. Do you? Well, uh, you'd probably have a bunch of fun strikes, but that'd be about the end of it. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, yeah that's you know, exactly. Put, you wouldn't be putting your fingers in many mi- many mouths. I'm no, sure of that. But you, but wouldn't you know, be- one thing I want to—I'm just th- sitting here thinking, you know, and listening to you. And uh, I think you can look back and think back through history in our waterfowling world, and you can think of the companies that were leaders at their given time, and they've come and go. I mean, two, 15 years ago, would have thought there would have not been an Avery that was at the very forefront of everything that's going on well at that point in time Avery wasn't copying what other people were doing they were coming out if they were going to do something they were going to make it better and uh, I think when you look at the leaders in our community or or really probably any space you know the companies that are going to be the ones that are on top are the ones that are saying how do we not just copy a popular product but how do we make that product better and and how do we make it more functional or, or cheaper or more reliable or easier to fix whatever the case may be and if you're you know if you're striving to do those things and then, then you're gonna end up being successful well there's no doubt about it and you can you can you can actually go back and look go back through time and and you you mentioned one avery was one i mean and they, what they did is, uh, to me, and when you speak, when you speak about that, is so you take take the first layout blind, final approach, Ron Latshaw, Avery was probably the next group of that, or the next uh, the next uh, manufacturers of that, or the the second one in the market. But they made maybe made it better. They made it so it was more compact. They made it so it was more low profile. You know, and the list goes on and on, and you can take whichever product category you want to on this. And and the ones that are here today, that we that we if we could go through this list, which that would be that'd be an interesting topic at some point, is to to go back into our uh, the last thirty years and just start talking about this because I, I do that periodically, especially with apparel and. Um, uh, but it, it is, it's, if you stayed sharp, you had the energy and the capital because capital, uh, um, capital, uh, the amounts of capital have changed so much over the years, um, that that's needed to, to gain entry into some of these spaces. So if, if you, if you had all of that, then you're probably still in the game today and you're probably still effective. You might not that 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 one two those positions one two three might have 
moved around to where you were number one and then you dropped to number two and maybe because you you missed the ball a little bit you hit three then you jumped back up to number one but you know there's there's been some some changing of the guard up on the top end of this thing and um again for all sorts of reasons so so tell me jeff what oh go ahead ira well, I was just going to give another, this just what was going on in my mind while I'm driving in WTF here while Jeff was talking again. But another good example is real geese. You know, I mean, silhouettes were really popular at one point in time. And then there was a decade or more where nobody purchased a silhouette. I mean, nobody purchased one, nobody used one. And then now you've got companies like Dive Bomb and, and of course a bunch of others now where they've, you know, They've taken that old old tool and made it much more user friendly, and now everybody's back to using them. You know, so what? It's just kind of wild how what you know what was old becomes new again, over and over again. But well, I mean, yeah, I mean, Ira, that's that's absolutely correct. I mean, at that time, the silhouettes were real ge- real geese and an outlaw. You know, and um, you know, it, there can be so much you guys have a plethora of topics to be able to talk about uh, on this. And I, I mean, I'm glad to be a part of it. Um, I hope I get called back to talk about some of these other ones. Cause I can promise that we ain't going to cover all of them in the 50 or 50 minutes or hour that I got here. So, or you got, so, but anyway, go ahead, Joe. Well, Jeff, what I, and yeah. And that's the thing, like I'd like to take each one of these topics and just tell stories about all of them, but kind of overarching a little bit, what would you say is the, what would you say is the way? Cause, okay. So we see a company like Avery. I always use them as an example too. Cause it was like, when I was a kid, that was just what's going on. What, what Avery was doing was what the industry was doing, whether, you know, whether that was just how I perceived it or whether that's um, what was actually going on, but they were an industry leader. Sick is an industry leader. A lot of the companies that you work with and work for are industry leaders. How do these guys, so how does a company like Sitka, how do they stay at that industry leader standpoint? And, and once you've created all these badass products, how do you continue? It's almost like, well, you know, that's as good as it can get. Where do you go from here? How do these companies like Sitka keep innovating and, and truly, you know, what is next and, and how do they keep doing it? Yeah. So I wrote one more of these, these products that, that, came back or that changed how we did stuff. Take Matthew Kegel at Rig and Right, the Rig and Right, the, the, the rigs. I mean, everybody used to have a decoy cord and a strap weight or a mushroom weight that you wrapped around the keel or the head, and that was it. So Texas Rig, all of a sudden, Matthew's patented deal for his, for his uh, Rig and Right rig is different than a Texas rig, but that, again, started launching this, this quote, rigging craze so yeah and you don't find anybody that uses cord on unless you're fishing or sorry unless you're hunting rivers or lakes to where you've got a tremendous amount i mean for most of the thank god thank god i might add jeez thank god (laughs) yeah isn't that the truth so anyway joe back to your question so how do you stay on top i think number one you have to have, there has to be a vision from inside that company of always to, always wanting to make something better, number one. Number two, I think you've got to have, 
I, I think you've got to have the people in there that are forward thinkers and are willing to fail. Because if you're not willing to fail, then you're never going to get to the top because you're not going to do what it takes to get to the top. You're going to, you're, you're, you're going to just hopefully not fail. And there's been so many things that, that I've seen come across our storyboards. It's like, no, that thing isn't going to work. We built, or man, I don't know. We're going to, and we build it and we think, yeah, it might work. And then it flops. But at the end of the day, um, you've got it. You've got to have, you got to have, have this vision of say, okay, if, if, if I could build the ultimate waiter or the ultimate jacket or whatever it is, what, what would it look like? What would it do? What would it, how would it make me feel? I mean, so I'm, I'm not going to get into some of the, some of that stuff because that's a lot of the stuff that, that we're, that we're talking about right now at Sitka gear is, is what, what, what's, whether it's a techno technological as an electronic advancement, whether it's a textile, um, a fabric advancement, whether it's a comfort advancement, whether it's um, durability. I mean, dur you can always make something more durable, but it might not be, it, it might not work as the tool uh, for the job. I mean, Gary Loomis always said, I can make a rod that will not break, but you won't like it as a fishing tool. So you've got you've to be on that edge of failure, success, but you got to be, you got to be willing to fail. And so what, one way that you hearing this and, and thinking about all we've talked about here, you know, you, I'm, you feel, I feel like I'm getting off topic, but I'm not, I'll tie it back. You, you said earlier that you're a commission salesperson, you're hundred percent commission. So 100%. when people think about somebody that's hundred percent commission, <clears throat> they think about somebody that's got to, got to get after it, got to stay after it, which clearly you do. But one thing I feel like you've built that some folks haven't and what people that are listening to this might understand it's it's like an investment you know you've invested the time and and the resources the energy and the relationships so it's like yes you're 100 percent commission and you've got to beat the bushes and you got to pound the pavement but your investment that you've put in over 30 some years is like the that's your investment and your sales are like the interest and the the dividend of that investment so it's like I, what I think is cool is that you have built this and you've actually, you've actually downsized your customers, provided more value and your profitability has seen, you know, your profitability has gone up too. Yes, it, it has. And, you know, unfortunately there's, this is a double-edged sword. Okay. Mike being a manufacturer's rep agency or, or investing, like you said in myself, this is that double-edged sword, double-edged sword is, I've had, I've had a lot of success, been very fortunate, like I said, um, lived really good life and, and been able to do a lot of things a lot of people will never do. And a lot of times I've done it multiple times that a lot of people will never get to do. And the problem is uh, on this, that other edge is Ira's built a couple businesses, Momarsh, um, the, him and his brother with the clinics. He's built those businesses and yes, they're an entity or they were, or they are an entity just like my entity. The problem is, is I don't have anything to sell. The only thing I have to sell is me. And when I'm gone, there's nothing else to sell. All of all, I'm the company, my value, the value of my company and what I do is me. 
And so what you've got to try to do, and there are some manufacturers rep agencies that, that get bought and sold. And, um, you know, we're on, we're on 30 day contracts. All of our contracts can be canceled, uh, in within 30 days. Somebody can send me a letter and say, Hey man, thanks. Thanks for the last 18 years of, of uh, service and everything you did for our company, but we're going to go a different direction. And trust me that I've, that's happened a bunch and it's just the nature of our business. And so you've always got, that's where that value and showing more value. So you, you become immersed in that, that, uh, that company too. I mean, I, there's been a couple of companies I've worked for that I've said, I hope this is the, I hope I'm working for these till my last day. And, you know, uh, at the end of the day, the value, the value is a, a big thing. Uh, you you got to create that value. I mean, Ira sold Momars. They, they've, uh, I think they've worked on doing some of the stuff with the clinics because it's, it's a, it's an entity. Whereas I, I really only have myself to sell. So you got to keep going that way. Something that you just said that I think is awesome. And, and I do this with all of my clients as well. Not that I, not that I've provided as much value as you do, but when you're on a 30 day contract, you know, to me, I, I'm that way with all my folks. A lot of folks in, in the spaces that I'm in want, want a six month or a year contract or whatever. The way I feel about it is I don't want to lock anybody into feeling like they have to use my service. If I'm not providing value for somebody, then by all means, I, I'll, I'll be the first to see myself out, you know, like I, and so, but, but when you do that, like you're going out on a limb, there saying, Hey, I know, I know that I'm going to provide value and I'm going to do every damn thing I can to do it. And I'm so confident in that, that, you know, to me, somebody like you, the 30 day deal, it ain't no big deal because if you weren't providing value, you would, you'd be the first person to say it, which I think is cool. Yeah. And I mean, you can, I could give you a handful of people that I've, that I and a couple of them I still work for today that say, Hey, you don't pay me for a year. If you don't think that I'm worth what, what we've done or how we've done your, your business and all that stuff, then uh, you don't have to pay me. And Matthew Cagle's one of them. I said, you know, you, because a lot of this stuff is, is I'm trusting them to provide the product for me to go out and sell. And after I sell it, I'm trusting them to ship it. They're, they're trusting me that my customers are going to pay. I don't, I don't open dead beats. We just, if, if it's, if there's ever a credit thing right now, we don't even talk to them. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it is no fun. It's no fun getting fired from anything, but it's particularly no fun in my, from my perspective, when you got to go home to your wife and uh, or whatever and tell them you just got fired and I don't know what we're going to do. And so you know, I, I look at it. I, I definitely, I don't sit and mope too long uh, at all. I don't think it's been for more than a day or two, but um, at the, at the end of the day, one door closes, another one opens and that's my personality. So I go find something else uh, else out to sell, you know? So, so your year, Jeff, as a, as a guy in this industry, I know your year is centered around, centered around, obviously your hunting seasons, different launches, um, different meetings, but what is a, what is a, I know a day in the life is, is there's no way to describe that because you could be literally anywhere at any time, yeah. but your, your dealings with these manufacturer, or I mean, with these uh, companies and with the retailers, what is your travel schedule like as far as with your clients? How, how often are you oh. on the road visiting these retailers or uh, what is that kind of like throughout the year? So, 
you know, uh, I've got a couple guys that work, work with me on this. Um, and so what we've done is we kind of, we divide and conquer and then we come together and conquer. So we know that, that in my territory, which is basically Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, Illinois, and the state of Arkansas, we know we've got, we've got four or five customers in that territory that without those customers, we're going to have a tough time, you know, really getting our, getting our, our job done. So take Presley's in Illinois, you take Midway USA in Columbia, Roger Sporting Goods, Liberty, Max Bray Wings down in, in Stuttgart. You got, of course, Bass Pro Shop. Um, we do do some business with Shields. Uh, so they're kind of in the mix. Uh, our, why we say we do some business is that as a sales rep, if the buying office is not in your territory, you normally don't get credit that you're not responsible for taking care of them. And like I said, I was fortunate. Both Cabela's and Bass Pro's buying offices were in my territory. Shields is in Fargo. Shields has a little different uh, deal is each store can buy. And so we kind of get some, some credit here and there. But at the end of the day, if I can make them better, then it makes everything better too. So we do whatever we can. There. So, uh, I mean, I, I, it's definitely changed today than it did when because of the technology, when you didn't have these type of uh, Zoom calls or Teams meetings or email, or, I mean, I remember I could, when I started, I could tell you where every telephone booth, payphone booth that had a long cable to get the headset inside your vehicle was in my territory. Because, and, you know, the good stories here is, let's say that one was occupied because there was another independent or another salesman on the road. He was on it. So then you'd go to another one and you're hanging out half the window, you know, it's raining and you're trying, because there were no cell phones then. Right. And the other thing is you'd always have to be careful because there are always these practical jokers that would put stuff in the earpiece. So you'd pick that phone up, put it to your ear. And it's like, oh, I don't know how much shit that I've had to take out of my ear. Right. So, but anyway, so, I mean, that, that's when I would leave on a Monday and I'd be back on a, on a Thursday or I'd leave on a Tuesday, be back on a Friday. Sometimes you'd have to work at an event over the weekend. I mean, there's to me and our company, there's no weekends, man. It's we're working seven days a week. We might work less on Saturdays and Sundays or Mondays and Tuesdays, depending on what's going on. But, um, Technology has definitely helped. So we, we're not, we're not, uh, there aren't as many days or, or weeks between us seeing somebody or talking to somebody as there were before. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of have my hand in all of the manuf or all of the retailers that we work with, but Steve Kitchen, um, he, he kind of does the day-to-day -day stuff. Uh, there's some stuff that he, we're not going to bog him down with that we bog that I get bogged down with. And that's, that's maybe, um, some retail planning. We're, we're getting ready to do a bunch of retail, uh, new retail fixture sets for our, our big retailers with Sifty gear. So I was dealing with that yesterday. And so you gotta, you gotta make drawings. You gotta have pictures, you gotta have measurements, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of changed a little bit, you know, where we're, we're tasked with more of that. I mean, you guys would definitely uh, be able to agree with this is we're more accessible because of this technology. So there's, there's no off switch. No. And somebody like you, Jeff, that, that is gonna, you're going to be responsive to your customers. Uh, 
somebody like you, it's like, yeah, you're not on the road as much. So you might not be quote unquote at, at work as much, but you're plugged in. There ain't, there ain't a day that's going to go by that you're not going to get a call or a text or 700 of them and that you're not going to have to put a fire out, which is, you know, I'm sure you've leaned up against a tree at Shadow Oaks a bunch of times and, and leaned up and missed a bunch or two responding to questions or problems or whatever. I've stood on mountaintops. I've stood in the middle of rivers on satellite phones trying to solve problems. And I mean, I have a satellite. I have, I've had an Iridium satellite phone for 15 years. And, you know, somebody was, somebody was looking for me on a trip and I was on a, with a, with a customer, some, one of the vendors, something blew up. And I mean, it was, it was bad deal. Came back and it's like, you know, I almost got fired over it. And it's like, wait a second. There's no way I could do anything about it. And I'm with one of the customers. How am I supposed to do anything? And at that point, I said, I'm getting a, I'm getting a sat phone. And so I did. And yeah, you're talking about, you know, three, four, $500 phone conversations, but it was worth every penny of it because we sat, saw um, satisfied or fixed a problem or whatever. So, so yeah, I've, there's not an off switch. You choose those. I mean, today I definitely have, I, I def, if I don't want to, you know, this caller ID, if I don't want to answer it, I'm not answering. It. And, or if I'm tied up with something like there, this phone's been going off while we've been sitting here and I, and, and I'm not going to interrupt what we got going. And that's one of, that's one of my pet peeves too, is these, these stinking cell phones and email. Um, when I go into a meeting and I have to get on my people about this too, is that phone doesn't get answered unless they're wanting the, the the person that I'm engaged in the meeting with wants me to do something with it. But it, because it's our time and, and I've, I've been in meetings to where I shut my book, uh, shut my folder, my notebook, whatever, and, and almost packed up to leave because my, the person I was calling on or uh, the customer was just, uh, wasn't paying any attention. It's like, man, you don't value my time. No big deal. We'll do this another time or we might not. Right. So, you know, yeah. and, and so it's, I, I, I garner the respect and, and, um, you know, normally when uh, I've, I'm at a place in my career that when I come into a building, when we go do what, what, what uh, we do, I get the attention that we need to get to get our job done. And Ira, if you can answer some of this shit, great, uh, you know, but if you can't, We'll end it up. I know we're going to have to have Jeff on again because some of the questions we're getting, there's no way. Oh, we yeah, I want to be on again because I think that there's, there's, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, a lot more stuff that we can get people in. So, so Jeff, here, here's one. Uh, the industry's changed. Jeff has yeah. seen a lot of change in his time. If he was going to give somebody advice on how to get into the industry, what do you think a guy right now that has a passion for the outdoors and, and wants to get involved somehow – how, how do you see these companies? How do you see people getting involved with these companies that really can make an impact or provide a value? Well, it, and again, like I told you, I get to ask this once a week. And my short answer is, the short answer is, number one, uh, or the quick answer is, if you love to duck hunt, try to become an ambassador or pro staff and, and show whoever, whoever puts you on, whether it's a rep that puts you on, or a factory rep, um, be available to do the stuff. When he, when they ask you, like you were talking about on one of the podcasts, uh, tweaking the Avery rough stand, 
I could go on and on about stuff we did with that, tweaking that to when the dog jumped on it. Right. Collapsed. Oh yeah. And if I'd have been Avery, I'd been beating your ass. But <laughs> anyway, um, uh, no, that's be there and be present at those shows. And I mean, don't be off talking to your buddies because that's the problem with quote pro staff ambassadors pro program the whole thing is that if if you don't show if you're on my staff and i've i've invited you to come do it or asked you to do it then you better be in there working if not i'll find somebody else because they're a dime a dozen that want to do it and i'll find one that sticks right and so um be there learn the product show up on time don't show up drunk or hungover or whatever be there to provide uh, help to to you're 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 working for me in that retailer or at that event to help consumers and that means not just with your product that means with whatever that consumer wants whether it's yours or not and so that means if they come up to you and you're talking to them about your stuff and they say hey you know where where the others yep right over here come on i'll take you because all of that all of that integrity and that goodwill comes back i mean it's good karma and so that would be the easiest one. So find what you, what your, what your knowledge or your passion is on that and, and go that way. The long-term one, if you wanted to be a rep, if you want, not just in the industry, because being the, in the industry could, like if you were in Bozeman, you could work for them as a customer service or work in the depot as a retail associate or something like that. But if you want to be a rep, to me, I think you have to have some retail experience. You have to work retail selling something and it doesn't necessarily have to be hunting and fishing gear. Um, but you have to be able to understand that in a, in a, in a retail, it's a total different sales uh, tactic because if when you're re working retail, somebody's coming to your place of business to buy a product that's in your store. You're not as a sales rep, nobody's coming into my office to buy it. I'm having to go see them. So it's a totally different mindset, but what you get is you get what that person is expecting when you come in. So you get that, that mental part of it. You get, um, you know, everybody says the customer's always right. Well, the customer isn't always right. You just got to make sure they think they're right when, if there's a situation, right? So they're not always right. But at the end of the day, um, so you, you, you should be able to do that. The second side of that would be to, uh, to be a pro staff, to be able to work on the other side. And the only, only work on the other side is to shadow people. I've done internships. Uh, K-State has a program uh, that has to do uh, Mitch, Mitch Meyer, who was a baseball player at K-State, who, who now, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what he's doing now, but he, he took one of his, uh, uh, classes or whatever was um, to graduate was to intern with somebody. And so I, he worked with us for six or eight months, took him to shot show, fishing show, or ICAST, um, made sales calls at Bass Pro and Cabela's. I mean, I'm, sh and, and it was one of those deals. Here's an NDA because you can't talk about anything that you're going to hear in these meetings right. because uh, there he went, I, I said, come on, you, you're going to get baptized with fire. And so, you know, um, we, we did it. And the other, the other side of that, which I never had that, uh, was working for an actual manufacturer or vendor. So then you see the other side, 
you know? So if you can get, if you can get all three, so much the better. If you can get two out of the three, absolutely better. One out of three really isn't going to, it's not going to, it's not going to take you, take you where you want to be. But um, the easiest definitely is the pro staff and continue to reach out to the person that is your contact to, to become, to, to get more responsibility. And, you know, um, that's where it is. I told my own son, you're not coming to work for me. I've told all, all of the boys, you're not coming to work for me first. You're going to go work for somebody else. So you can understand what being to work on time is, uh, finishing a project, doing this, doing that, because you're going to hate me as a boss because I, you're going to have to, you're, I, I haven't, there's nothing in our business or my business that I have, that I haven't done or wouldn't still do. So if I ask you to go do it, I've done it and I've probably done it more than once, probably done it more than a hundred times. But anyway, the other side of it is I've also had to grow and understand that, yes, it worked for me. And so I know it works that way, but there might be other ways to do it. And, and that's the thing that I told Chase when I hired him was, I know there are more ways to get something done, but I know if you do it this way, it's going to work. You can try to do some of the other stuff, but make sure that if, if something's not, if you're running, getting stonewalled, you better go back to this because I know this works. That's right. No, I mean, and that's the thing, you know, you go to a show, you see, you see Jeff at a show and he, he might like, literally I have seen him stop before and rearrange a clothing display that, that a customer had pulled something out of the rack. It wasn't, they, you know, it was a different size put it back in backwards or something. Jeff might be walking around talking to you about new product, whatever he's doing, this and that, this and that, even stop, take that thing out, turn it around, put it in the right size category, keep on going. It's just like, it, I don't know. It's just, it's just a body of, it's, it's a, it's a whole body of, um, of value rather than just sales, which I, which I think is yeah. cool. And, and I think that's, I think that's something when you get into it and you see somebody that's gotten to a level that you're trying to get to, they're still doing that small stuff and they still, you know, appreciate the value of the small. So it's like Ira with Mo Marsh. I mean, he would, he would get in there and do, he would get in there and do whatever. And and that's, that's how you get people to buy into a, to a culture, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely right. Let me, uh, we'll end this one up and then we'll make a plan for the next one. We'll talk about, Je I want to talk about Jeff's elk hunting and all that stuff too. So oh, that, that'd be great. Elk hunting, the habitat, you know, yeah, I want to talk about the farms, buying the farms, yeah. that kind of shit. So, um, this will be like part one of three at least, but Ira, I'm going to end this. I'll end this one up and I'll start editing it and then we'll make a plan for the next one. But, um, okay. So Jeff, to end it out this episode to kind of end our segment here, I know you can't touch on, on much, but br briefly and, and kind of just overview are any of your customers working on things right now? Any of your clients that you work with, or is there anything coming down the pipe that we might be seeing this year? Um, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's good time. If this would have been four or five days earlier, it might, might hit some people sooner, but yeah, we've got, we've got some neat stuff coming that's going to launch in a couple of weeks, but you can get a little sneak peek at uh, NWTF if you, if you head over there. So that kind of, that kind of opens or kind of narrows what it might be. <laughs> um, and that, that's actually from two vendors. Uh, one of them sick of gear and the other one rig them right. But, um, uh, you know, we've Sitka's got a lot of stuff in the pipeline, man. There's a lot of a lot of good stuff, especially 
a lot of good stuff in what you and I and I would like to do. And that's waterfowl hunt and turkey hunt. And, um, uh, uh, let's see, Matthew's got a little bit of stuff, um, coming. I mean, shoot, R&T's got, uh, R&T's got some good stuff coming. It's just, we got to get through, get through some, some, uh, final, final stuff with them. Um, but uh, I, it's it's right up our alley for the waterfowl and, and waterfowl hunting for most of them, and then a little bit of turkey hunting on the other. Oh yeah, well I guarantee it'll be it'll be top shelf shit. That's for sure. I uh, I really think I really think this one this podcast has opened my eyes because there you know there's a lot of guys that we talk to that can give insight on a lot of things, but kind of a look in the industry is something that as as an end user and stuff, you know, you think about these companies and it's like. Well, that, that, that company is, you know, far off and away. They don't, you know, they're a big brand, they're this or that, but really the heart of these companies are people that we know and that we see. And, you know, guys like you that are, that are the ones that are designing this thing. It's, it's just kind of a, it's cool to hear this insight. So I know, I know we appreciate the hell out of you coming on, Jeff. Yeah. You know, I, I Mo Marsh, um, you know, what Ira was doing with Mo Marsh in, in reinventing, I mean, reinventing hides for man hides, dog hides, and all that. Sitka gear, uh, uh, reinventing outdoor apparel so you're more comfortable. Matthew, re- reinventing some techniques to, to, to uh, you know, keep your decoys from floating off or picking them up or storing them or, or whatever, the, the storage system. There's a lot of great stuff that's coming. There are, there are fewer of those companies then there are the ones that just say, you know what, I'm going to get into uh, the waiter business, or I'm going to get into the decoy business, or I'm going to get into the, to the manhide business. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to uh, uh, copy, or I'm just going to uh, use a lot of those ideas there instead of coming up with your own. And, you know, it's, it's hard though. I will say it's hard when, when companies come out with great product it's hard to get that vision and it's hard to go outside of that vision to re to, to make them better. And, you know, unfortunately with uh, offshore production um, and manufacturing, it's, it's like going to Walmart and saying, okay, I want, I want that piece. Uh, I want that, that item on that product over here. I want to put that on it too. And, and it's, and it's, uh, it's like going and ordering off a menu. Whereas I think what Ira's done, what we've done at Sitka Gear, what Matthew's done is we've gone and came up with those products. We've gone and, and manu- actually manufactured that. I mean, all of the dog stands prior to, or I, th- I can only think of one dog stand prior to Ira's that wasn't solid. Okay. And you take the final stand with the, 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 um, the, the match. I mean, that's, that's one of the most that I use that product every every time that thing is always with us so um you know it it's it's that kind of stuff so i mean it's it's been great to be a part of that i hope to be a part of of a lot more of this stuff going forward um with uh not only with momarsh i i would still i even though i don't do i'm not working with them as a as a sales rep i i've got i've got some ideas there too and 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 whatnot so well i I can't wait to get into the next segment of this, which is going to be <clears throat> kind of piggybacking off this and headed into like 
some of the in in you some of the some of the infield stuff and where some of these products have have gone with you on some of your trips we talk about like you guys is uh your guys's wood business heck i got some of that stuff in my in my duck camp yeah we'll to, but one figure the, out how to do all that one of the coolest pieces that we've done that big door kick-ass deal yeah. uh yeah. well if jeff um like i said man i couldn't say it enough we really appreciate you coming on and sharing the insight like holy hell some of the stuff you know, when I re-listen, this is going to be like, damn, but, uh, we'll definitely open open more rabbit holes up for us to go down. I know. I know it. I'm already thinking about a bunch of them. Uh, (laughs) but I, uh, I appreciate it, Jeff. Thanks for coming on. And we will, um, we will hit a couple more of these. And like I said, man, we appreciate it. I can't wait to see what all goes on this spring with some of these new products. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. All right. See you guys later. Thanks buddy. Bye-bye. My dad would cook for him, and all the guides lived in this little, we called it the Mouse Mahal. I mean, it was just a little rundown shack. I'm kind of an addictive person. If I ever get on drugs, I feel like it's over. Because- <laughs>